0: I think, too, one thing that gets overlooked all the time, and I understand why people are afraid for sure, but nothing to me is going to replace human creativity. You just can't do it. I mean, I know you can program tone and brand guidelines into Gen AI, but when you think of how wonderfully creative some of our marketers and advertisers are, Gen AI is never going to replace that. I think the best use is for it to augment, right? To make the parts of marketing and customer engagement that bum us out, that burn us out easier. It's when you're staring at that blank page for 25 minutes, getting your mind moving, not speaking for you.
1: Welcome back to Customer Land. Today, I have the honor of talking with uh, Tara Dezeo, uh, who is Product Marketing Director of AdTech and Martech. And I just want to let that hang in the air for a moment because that is a big, big remit. Um, at Pega. I mean, there's just so much to talk about, just because of what you do for a living. But Tara, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate you saying my full, really long title. I've I've had thoughts of shortening that over the years, but it's really hard to encapsulate both of those things together.
1: Right. Well, it I'm I'm one of your kin because I have a, a problematic last name as well. So <laughs> awesome. So um, maybe give us a, a, a bit of a description of what you do at Pega, because product marketing director of tech and MarTech is a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then sure. we can kind of jump in because I know we've got a handful of topics we want to address, but maybe what you do as context for the conversation.
0: Absolutely. So I'm in the group that works on the Customer Decision Hub product. And it's an AI powered decisioning tool that helps, uh, brands make their customer experiences amazing. Um, and it adds a layer of AI to our already, um, existing or, you know, replacing, um, how we connect with our consumers across channels. And I think that, um, the way that I sort of fit in is, uh, through thought leadership around advertising technology and mar- Martech, marketing technology, because with Martech, I think, you know, we we think of it as one thing, right? A lot of people may call it customer relationship management, um, but there's also this other side, this ad tech side that has a whole ecosystem and rich life that's happening behind the scenes that, that we'll probably talk about later and actually the two are just really connected. So it's my job to help educate um those external and in, internal to pega on what's happening in those industries and how our product best fits in to handle those problems and challenges.
1: Um in my I'm adding to my Christmas wish list here and that is that you and I figure out ways to speak more frequently because your job description is an exact mirror of our editorial mandate.
0: Oh, great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we have (laughs) a lot to talk about here. (laughs) Yeah. Great. Um, But you know, we, we had, uh, we'd had a little exchange before this conversation kind of mapped out some of the higher, more higher level, more calm key things that you're looking at. Um, in terms of predictions and how companies and technology providers in particular will deal with them. One of them is all over the news. And I wonder if it's just not like the hype cycle of the news looking for something that headline worthy, but there does seem to be a lot of buzz around the topics related to AI and trust. And I know you've got some thoughts there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's kind of two layers, right? There's the uh, trust of the organizational leaders and then trust from consumers. Um, You can't really be doing something in the background that consumers don't trust because as we've seen with, you know, the data breaches and such in the past several years, uh, customers want to know what's going on. They want you to respect their privacy. I think where it relates to organizational leaders and customer engagement and marketing practitioners, AI, we're relying on it, especially when you have adaptive AI, which basically will take a look and say, okay, there's Mike, I'm reading his behaviors and preferences and how he's moving through all the different channels, and I'm going to serve him some content that's really relevant to him in this moment. Um, And... In order to be able to do that, the organizational leader has to trust that the AI is going to do its job and do it well. Um, And I think that as marketers for a long time, we've been really prescriptive about which channel we're going to, you know, talk to our customers in. Um, We might have campaigns that are static and not always on. And I think that until we get to a point where business leaders feel comfortable letting the AI out there to do its job and react to data and do the things that we need it to do and make our lives easier, make our interactions more relevant. Um, they're not going to get the full value out of their tech stacks and their applications.
1: I'd, I'd love for you to correct me in my perspective here, but it, yeah. it seems to me that um, the AI trust paradigm, if you will, is just the natural extension of the privacy uh, issues that uh, companies and regulators and the consuming public have been wrestling with for you know what a decade or maybe a little less than that. Um, yeah, I-
0: absolutely. It's it's a natural extension because really AI is just as good as the data that we put into it, right? So any problems that we have with our data, whether that's, um, you know, risk management, we're not respecting consumer privacy. Um, there's, there's bias in our data. Um, it basically, if you think about Gen AI, that reflects to us the biases that are in the internet, right? So AI basically just does exactly what we tell it to do. It learns and, and it it takes instructions really well. So if we're putting uh, negative instructions in, we're going to get negative outcomes out.
1: Right, right. I saw something, in fact, it was just this morning um, and I'll misquote who this was, I just can't remember off the top of my head, but um, somewhat, some high-profile tech person, it'll occur to me at the moment we hang up on this conversation, but um, basically was like, hey, listen, I don't know what the big deal is about the fear of AI taking over the world. It's basically um a marionette you know it dances to our tune we get to sure. tell it what to do yeah and um I'm not sure I believe that entirely but for a moment it did a pretty good job of quelling fears I mean the the chatter around that comment was was like oh well I guess it's a, a neat perspective and if we can keep a lid on this thing which seems to be the big if then we're all going to be fine
0: yeah I mean that mostly we assume right that people have really good intentions and that if bias sneaks into their AI algorithms that it's sort of accidental. Um, but, you know, there are bad intentions out there, right? And and one of the ways that we can kind of quell and curb those is through regulation. Um, you'll see that the EU is passing the um, Artificial Intelligence Act right now to curb some of the more nefarious uses of AI um, and it's really hard in the U.S. to do the same because we have 50 states that act like little countries, right?
1: Little fiefdoms. Yeah, don't get us little
0: started. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I think it's it's a combination of having the culture at your organization that is committed to ethical and responsible AI regulation. Um, and I think, you know, we do have a little bit of like Hollywood sensationalism, doomerness out there. Yeah. Um, and the fear is that is when the AI systems learn to talk to each other. And I think we're pretty far off from that. Um, but it is something that we need to be aware of and we need to be working, we need to be out in front of it. And not just the big players, right? All of the organizations
1: that are using AI. Um yes, I'm nodding my head in agreement. There's there's <laughs> clearly no argument there. You know, uh, as somebody who sits on the content side of things, um, Gen AI is already a huge help to us in doing research in doing forecasting and planning and the content that we're going to be using. But, you know, Gen AI, uh, is turning out to be, um, let's just take, you know, it's creating its own trust issues within the, the media and publishing world. Oh, sure. Do you you really know if this is is real? Is it garbage? Did it come from a human with real expertise? Or what is this?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's multiple things, right? With Gen AI, um, again, what's happening with Google and they're in a copyright lawsuit right now. We're figuring out, you know, is it ethical to train our AI systems on copyrighted material? That hasn't been answered yet. But, you know, organizations need to to test themselves and say, hey, do we have an appetite for doing this? Um, Is it within what our corporate ethics are?
1: As of today, there are 1,237 technologies on G2 listed as loyalty platforms. There are 560 loyalty technologies on Capterra. My question is, how do you navigate all that? The answer, if you're an enterprise level user, is that there are a handful of organizations out there that are happy to help you figure that out. But if you're a mid-market user, well, good luck. There's a massive pool of options, features, integrations, stack dependencies and complications, and almost innumerable amount of stuff to sort through just to arrive at some sort of shortlist. That was the thinking behind Trift. Trift. T-R-I-F-F-T is a smart loyalty platform designed from the ground up to provide mid-market retail and restaurant operators with a full-featured, yet easy-to-use loyalty solution. It was built by a team of loyalty veterans who saw that while platform sales were going up, usage and adoption were stagnant because the technologies were too complicated, had too many features, needed too much manpower, required too much IT input, etc., etc., etc. Trift's entire reason for being is to help mid-market businesses deliver on their complex loyalty strategies without the tech bloat that so often accompanies such things. Smart, huh? That's Trift. Smart loyalty. Trift. T-R-I-F-F-T dot
0: how wonderfully creative some of our marketers and advertisers are. Gen AI is never going to replace that. I think the best use is for it to augment, right? To make the parts of marketing and customer engagement that bum us out, that burn us out easier. It's when you're staring at that blank page for 25 minutes, getting your mind moving, not speaking for you. Um, and I think that, uh culturally, we need to really see what we value. I don't I personally think that at least in the creative community, leaders value creativity more than um, productivity. There's a place for both. And I think we just need to understand that we can use this as a tool versus it's meant to replace our yeah. skill sets.
1: I, I'm looking forward to the the next conversation on that topic too because uh, we create a lot of content here we edit a lot of content we sponsor a lot of content and um yeah productivity is one thing and creativity is entirely a different you know a different idea a different process but um, the the stuff that has always really, uh, resonated with our readers and listeners is authenticity. Absolutely. It, it comes right back to human storytelling of my circumstance and my situation and my solution and what I had to deal with and think through. And as AI stands right now, I don't know how you could get AI to, to think in those, in those kinds of human ways.
0: No, it's true. When you, when you read a story or someone tells you a story you don't really remember all the facts of that story. You just remember the part of the story that really hit you and captured you. And I don't see AI-generated content being able to do that in the same way that human-generated content
1: does. Certainly not right now. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, if we could put a pin in that one, make that topic for either subsequent conversation number two or three, I think we can have a lot of a lot of fun just kind of unrolling that whole thing. Yeah, um, let's do it. Plus, you know, beyond just being uh, a fun topic, that's that's uh, something close to my heart. It's I think um, it's a good moment in time for people to be thinking about what the leading companies who are thinking about this. How they're processing it, and I'd I'd consider Pega to be one of those. So, um, your opinions I think carry weight in this realm more than any other. So, I'd like to be one of the purveyors of your opinions.
0: Oh, great! You know, and just to give you a little bit of um, insight, like at Pega, we sell AI-powered tools, but we also use them, right? So we we eat our own dog food, and we use the tools that help (laughs) us every day out in the marketplace. So, you know, as the as a user of the tools, I have grown to trust them, and I think having that leadership above me that I know is doing the right thing helps me gain trust in the tools.
1: Right, right. I'd love to leapfrog the conversation a little bit here because I want to leave something for the next few that we're gonna have. Yeah, yeah, Um, for sure. Into what's happening with cookies? um... Ooh, my favorite. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that was sarcastic or not. No, it is. It's my favorite
0: topic. Yeah. Okay,
1: good. Because I know a lot of people who approach that topic with absolute dread. I know. Like, don't don't make me think about this or or the enormous amount of work I'm about to have to do to overcome what's coming my way.
0: Absolutely. I mean, as someone who's 10 plus years in ad tech at this point, um, we have been talking about cookies the entire time. So before the cookie started to crumble, it was like cookies aren't that accurate anyway, right? So like a cookie can't even tell the advertiser whether you're male or female.
1: Right, it's just a dumb marker. That's all it yes, is. Yes,
0: exactly. It's it's the it's the thing that many um organizations organizations used to do cross channel identification. And essentially when Google deprecates them, meaning they're gonna create interest segments. They're gonna create some some um, solution that is a segment-based interest category tool. And what that basically does is just return us back to the sort of more, I hate this term, but spray and pray tactics where we're like, okay, we know that this group maybe kind of likes this one thing, so let's talk to them about it. Consumers hate that, they hate it. And I think what we need to do, this is like the best use case for AI, is that whatever solutions we come up with, and I was just at Advertising Week in New York City, and it's every year in the fall, it's a big conference where all the greatest minds in advertising come and talk about trends and things, And what I heard more than anything else is that there's not one answer. What we need to be focusing on is solutions that are interoperable with each other. So not adding another tool to the tech stack on top of the tools we already have. Replacing or augmenting with tools that work together to try to piece together that 360 degree view of the customer.
1: There's a there's a whole group of business development people in ad tech and martech that are cringing right now.
0: I know, and you know they should be. We're we're seeing that um, our stacks have actually gotten so bloated that we're buying more applications for them and actually using less of the the martech stack than we've ever used before.
1: Isn't it nuts? And everybody knows it. everybody acknowledges it behind closed doors, but if you're in tech BD, that's forbidden. You can't go there.
0: I know. I mean, I think about, for example, at Pega, we have data connectors that, you know, most marketing tech stacks now have customer data platforms. And if you add AI or decisioning through data connectors to a CDP, You're essentially supercharging your CDP. So the technology not only uh, helps with the customer profile, but it's it's moving data to other parts of your tech stack. And I think that's the kind of technology you want to be looking for is, can it layer in and solve a challenge or solve a problem? Or is it just adding another console for somebody else to operate?
1: And, and, um, and sell into, and integrate, and support, and budget for, and all the things that would go into that.
0: Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, because we're talking about something that I didn't see really coming, which is sustainability in ad tech and bar tech. And when when I used to think about waste, I would think of like a wasted impression, right? Serving something to someone that isn't even going to pay attention to it. But really, when you think about having a tech stack with thirty-five applications in it, that's thirty-five vendors that maybe you have to go hop on a plane and go visit, and have your carbon footprint all over the world. Just talking well, that's to a your good vendors, point. You know, that's
1: that's a really interesting point. I can tell you, I've I've put zero thought into that, but that that carbon footprint has to be, you know, exponentially bigger than it was five years ago.
0: A hundred percent, especially when you've got. 35, 40, 45 applications in some of these stacks blows my mind.
1: Hmm. Yeah, not a great time to be a BD uh, <laughs> person in, in ad tech or Martech, which actually is not true because if you're if your technology uh solves for those problems, then I think you're in a in a really nice position. But um, how many how many technologies are you aware of that I'm aware of that um, require full, you know. Rip and replace or, you know, uh, at least certain chunks of your stack to to build in functionality that you might just be able to API in from another source.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, um, wh- we see, too, a lot is organizations that have little camps of, you know, allegiances to certain apps. So, oh, right. no, we can't get rid of this app because this group really needs it and they want it and it's like okay well it's not it's not making us more efficient or
1: productive um now there's a conversation i want to have too we'll add that to the list of of future conversations but it's also a good segue because the other thing i wanted to talk about here is what does lean martech look like right now i mean you know it's an ideal yeah um, can it be a reality and if it can be what does it take to get there
0: yeah i think it's really figuring out the charter of your organization. And if you're truly trying to create long-term healthy customer relationships, we talk about at Pega a lot, earning the right to sell because there's so many of us out here trying to sell stuff to consumers. And it really just becomes noise at some point. And if you're truly trying to get to that place where you're creating amazing customer experiences, um, you're having those long-term relationships, longer conversations. We talk about optimizing to customer lifetime value instead of, for example, clicks. We talk a lot about clicks as marketers. But really what's going to get you to that customer lifetime value um, to be healthy is Creating experiences that are low touch, but relevant and respect privacy. And I don't think that's possible without AI. And really to have AI work and learn and adapt appropriately, it needs to connect all of your MarTech applications together and work as a group. So the more interoperable, the less, the less sort of erroneous apps that you have in there, and the more your stack is working together, um, less data silos, the better the outcome is going to be. And I always talk about this one client example of a client in the past that has said, you could get a different offer for us in a different channel. <laughs> so right. if I want, let's just say, uh, you know, it's a, a subscription based service. If I want to really check you and shop around, I'm going to go into every channel of yours and click around and see if I can get a better deal. That's a sh- real short term situation. I'm just trying to find the cheapest thing in the moment, which means you're not building a relationship with me. Right. You've just said, okay, our relationship's super transactional. I don't care about you. I'm willing to like trick you into spending more money, essentially. So in order to have that consistency and that really relevant customer experience, you're going to need AI. You're going to need your apps to be interoperable, and you're going to need your data silos to be broken down. And that's what you're going to get through having a lean MarTech stack.
1: So there you have topic number 4 for our our next series of conversations. Yes. There, there's so much there and I and yeah, there's just there's just an awful lot there. I don't even want to want to comment on it because it'll open us up into, you know, taking over what's left of our schedules today.
0: I know, uh, right? I'm such a dork. I could talk about this for hours.
1: Well, you 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 met your match over here. <laughs> um so so I ter- I just want to repeat this because um for people who are listening the opinions expressed here are highly credible, I would say. Tara Dezeo is product marketing director at Pega for AdTech and Martech and has a view to this world that I think is really unique and really important because it's a, you know, it's a it's a corner of the universe where everybody else is in the weeds. Um, and Tara has the ability to see above the weeds. So Um, the next conversations are going to be hopefully just as rich because there's so much to talk about. But but with that, Tara, thanks a million for this. I really, really appreciate it. and, And can't wait for the next time we get to do it.
0: Mike, it was so great to talk to you. And I'm also looking forward. So stay tuned out there.
1: All right. All right. Our people will be in touch with your people.